Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number three of The Side Hustle. Just basically a bunch of people sheltering in place without jobs, telling war stories from their past. My name's Jimmy. I've got two Angelas. We got Angela Melchiori and Angela Munoz, who we're just going to call Jules so we don't get uh, anybody confused out there during this lovely little conversation. And uh, you guys are going to jump in and interject and uh, possibly provide some laugh track in the background as we roll through this little journey. But we have a special guest that we're interviewing today. We have Vanessa Anthes. Now we can make the clapping noises. Yay, Vanessa. <laughs> so, Vanessa, um, I don't know if she told you what we're doing here. We uh, actually aren't asking stories. This is just a ploy to get your personal information. So we're going to need your mother's maiden name and the last four digits of your social security number. Remember those maiden. numbers. We're going to order groceries. That's how this all works. I love it. Deliver them to my house and we're all set. Well, perfect. So basically the whole idea behind all this is getting people together that work in the event business, not necessarily action sports, but the event business as a whole, and just getting out there and uh, telling some funny stories, uh, some stories of perseverance and just doing anything that we can to try to pass the time through this awkward experience that we're all going through. So to open this up, why don't you start off by telling us who you are and what your position is in the event world and what exactly it is that you do? Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I'm currently, just to kind of give a little perspective, hiding in my car so my children can't find me as they are now here at my um, office since I work remotely. Uh, so that, that's what I got going on right now. <laughs> my name is Vanessa Anthes. I'm the Associate Director of Event Operations for the X Games at ESPN. Um, I have been with X. It will be Oh, God, this makes me sound really old. 20 years this um, coming fall slash winter. My career background is, is very heavy in, in the X Games space. And I, I always say that I am a combination of a wedding planner meets air traffic controller meets, um, you know, problem solver slash babysitter. <laughs> so we um, in the ops department are responsible for, you know, anything from venue design and layout to, you know, all the permitting, public safety, agency liaison, uh, to interdepartmental coordination, and then, you know, everything in between. <laughs> so lots of different hats that we get to wear. Well, that's one interesting thing that a lot of people, I guess, don't think about. I mean, when it comes to operations, a lot of people think like, okay, it's the basics. You get the stuff there. You find out where you're getting all this infrastructure from and all the equipment that you need to put on an event. But a lot of people don't think about the behind-the-scenes stuff or the pre-planning stuff that goes up to it, like permits and figuring out where you're going to get things like generator and show power and all that kind of stuff and lights. How like how deep do you guys run into that whole permitting process and how far out in advance do you have to dive into that for something like an X Games? So we're pretty much planning um, 365 for the event. So, for example, you know, Aspen X, which is in January, at that time we're looking towards the next event. How can we change it? How can we improve it? How can we make it better? Um, you know, I was on a call for Aspen today looking towards next January. Um, you know, Minneapolis last year, same thing. What do we want to do next year? How can we change it? How can we mix it up? Um, and so it's, it's a constant planning process and we're lucky that the team of the X Games staff, um, we're, we're a pretty tight family. It's, it's been a lot of the same players for a very long time. So we all, um, you know, work really well together and the same goes in turn with our vendors. 
And so it's, it's a lot of inherent knowledge to where we go to new locations and we're able to call up, you know, our, our scaffolding vendor and know that we can work together to, to pull the various building permits that we need and the mechanical or, or whatever um, category of inspection we're working with and then work in compliance to all the various codes, whether it's state code, um, OSHA code, you know, every state has different, you know, elevator codes, for example, you know, we've been in Minneapolis and Minnesota, and that was a whole new department that we're having to look with, work with, that um, was different from when we were in Texas or California. And so we've got these relationships where we can work with our vendors to make sure we get the information needed from them to then turn into the, the inspectors and make sure when it comes time for the doors to open, the fan and the guest never knows any of this has happened, but we've got the uh, the table set, if you will, for them to come in and have a great experience and for our athletes to, to do their best. I guess that's kind of the key is, I mean, things always happen, no matter how much you plan in advance, things always pop up. You got to troubleshoot, operate on the fly, but that whole little tap dance of problem solving and making things work in the middle of an event where the consumer has no idea that anything's gone afoul or that anything is different. It's one of those things. That's, it's pretty, to me, it's impressive about that job. I mean, I, for me, I'm on a different end of it because I'm on the television production side of it, but you know, I, it always amazes me when I walk through the hallways in between my events and just watching the hustle that you guys have and how everybody's always on the go and you just kind of reconnect with everyone at catering or in the hallways and like, Oh, got to go putting out fires. Absolutely. And it's, it's the ability. I, I like to think of it as the duck, you know, everybody's cool and calm on the surface, but you're, you're going a million miles an hour um, underneath to stay afloat and just thinking, you know, 10 problems ahead, knowing at any event, you're not going to be able to think through all the things that are going to come your way. And so as long as you're able to problem think and react and make decisions quickly to solve whatever fire gets thrown your way that you didn't anticipate, um, you know, that's what event life to me is all about. So some of these different challenges you were talking about, uh, you mentioned like Minneapolis, for example, at U.S. Bank Stadium, you've got a whole different group of people and different codes that you have to deal with. Let's flash back to the last uh, host of Summer X Games. How did you enjoy working out there at Circuit of the Americas and that oppressive heat and those lovely pop-up flash flood thunderstorms? You know, Coda was a whole new challenge. You know, we went from being in L.A. for 12 years and, and buildings and facilities to all of a sudden this beautiful state-of-the-art racetrack, but we're in now a different climate. You know, L.A., you're lucky if it, you know, it doesn't rain, which was great. You don't have to deal with winds. You don't have crazy lightning and thunderstorms, and all of a sudden we're at Coda, and it's like, okay, quote, shelter in place, you know, we're dealing with that now, but, you know, lightning and, and flooding and work stoppages because, you know, as any event, safety is utmost of importance. And so it was definitely a unique challenge that we hadn't had to deal with for a while. And so we were able to kind of, you know, refresh and enhance a lot of our you know, inclement weather plans and, and things like that for not only load in, but event days when we had to do multiple weather evacuations um, during the course of, of the events or, um, you know, deal with, you know, rerouting traffic on the venue because a tunnel is flooded and you can't go that way anymore. <laughs> so um, 
it, it definitely got really interesting. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all those things you can't anticipate of, all right, when are we going to have to get these events in? Because we've now lost that air window. These are the only windows you have on network. What are we going to shuffle around? The athletes still need their practice time in. And then the wild card, what's Mother Nature going to do? Yeah, I've, I live in this state, so I live in Dallas. So I, I had been to Coda. I went to the first F1 race. I was doing some work for Red Bull. So I, I went to that when it first opened in 2012. And when I heard the end of 2013 that X Games was moving to Coda, I just laughed. I was like, oh, you poor people have no idea what you're in for. Especially when I heard <laughs> it was in June, I was like, oh, welcome to Texas. You're going to love it. And just kind of sat back and put my feet up on a chair and was like, wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> and then it came. Well, especially that last year, because that was the year that we didn't do uh, any of the big air events, because on Friday night when they were running skate, that's when the uh, the big thunderstorm popped up and they had to evacuate everyone from the venue because of lightning in the area. And they're like, oh, we'll just do it Saturday. And then Saturday night we had problems uh, with weather again. So BMX and skate were supposed to run consecutively. And then on Sunday it was going to be skate, BMX, and then the team event that they had, or the doubles. And then it was windy. It was perfect blue skies out and there was no weather around, but it was windy and nobody wanted to ride. So we did nothing. Yeah, that was a very beautiful, expensive television backdrop that year, unfortunately. And that's just one of the, you know, gambles and risks that, you know, you're going to, we're going to take. And with an outdoor event, like you said, in a, a climate like, like Texas and Mother Nature has shown us many a time that, you know, at the end of the day, she's in charge. So were you around for the Philadelphia and San Francisco years of X Games? I was around the second year of Philly. That was my first ever summer X Games was second well, you're year no of Philly. You to crappy pop-up weather then. <laughs> no. That, as well. Yeah, I was very green um, mm -hmm. at that time and kind of uh, just rolling with it, trying to take it all in. In 2013, they did the global expansion for X Games. So there were two winter events, one in Aspen, and then there was one in France. And then after that, we did summer versions in Brazil, uh, Spain, Germany, and then finished in Los Angeles. Did you have to work operations on any of the foreign events? So I was lead on, um, I was in charge of Aspen, and then I did Los Angeles. And with the international, the FAS, uh, Munich, and Barcelona ones, I was not on those teams. My counterparts in operations ran those ones. And so I stuck with the two domestic for those. I've done international, but they were before we did uh, the global at that time. You want to talk about an operation and logistics nightmare? You've never lived until you've seen a bunch of people try to put a vert ramp up in a rainforest next to a massive waterfall. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my counterpart Jeff still uh, still has nightmares about that one. Would um, that be Jeff Hermann? Yeah, him and I are um, cohorts and ops. Jeff is a longtime friend of mine. I used to work with him over at uh, ASA events for many, many years, so we've got plenty of road stories together. He's a good man. Uh, he's a great guy. Great guy. We were uh, we were laughing at each other this morning on a fun uh, video conference. Yeah, he's uh, 
he had some more stories from that one as well as some of the Munich stuff too, for sure. Munich was a massive situation just purely because of weather. It was just, it, it rained. I mean, that pretty much that whole expansion that year was doomed to weather because it rained in Spain and then it rained in Munich. Facility-wise, it was the old Olympic uh, complex there in Munich in that park in this part of the city. That wasn't bad. Foz, I mean, that place is this weird little pocket that's down in the corner of Brazil where it butts up against Argentina. And I think that's Paraguay right there. So you've got this massive waterfall that makes Niagara Falls look like a pond and you've got the logistics of that plus the intense heat. Plus, I mean, you're in the jungle. I mean, you've got all these things to deal with that I, mean, I personally had never seen before. I mean, the bugs down there were out of control. And I mean, you hear horror stories of people, you know, walking around and all of a sudden a tarantula would just run across your foot and stuff like that. And just things that were living in the jungle. I mean, the first day that I went down to the vert ramp, one of the local kids that was driving us around was like, as we were walking around the vert ramp, like, oh yeah, they spotted two Jaguars in the park yesterday. And I was like, please tell me you're talking about the car. <laughs> Yeah, that, that'll throw a new wrench into uh, safety on the venue and things to be uh, aware of, you know, because the Jaguar, I don't think you're going to you're gonna win that fight. Oh, it was insane. Well, a couple of us went down at sunset to go watch the falls and just check out the last bit of vert practice, and we were walking around on this trail, and there were these little things. I think they call them kawachis. They kind of look like a cross between a lemur and a raccoon, and they're little scavengers, and they're super friendly to people that come in the park because they just want food. So we were just kind of walking around and a bunch of them came out of the woods, but then the sun started to go down and it was this weird feeling where the hair would just stand up on your arms because as the sun went down, the jungle came alive and you were like, let's get the hell out of here. It was. Oh yeah. That, that's wild. where you gotta, you know, check your shoes before you put them on make sure there's no scorpions or tarantulas in there for sure. That'll well, wake that, you up in the morning. That was the panic going around with the entire event staff. It was like, pull your sheets down before you get in your bed and look in your shoes before you put them on. Uh, the stories that were going around were insane. Plus, then you start getting the emails from ESPN corporate that are warning you about shots that you needed to get. And <laughs> it was like, <laughs> um, what? I need to do what? Yeah. No, I was I was pregnant during the summer of all those. So that I was not I was on the not allowed to travel to some of those events list for sure. And I'm guessing that was probably part of it. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. It was an interesting time, but then, you know, when you get people coming back and they're all feeling a little sick and God only knows what was in that field, they basically bought a farmer's field and paved part of it for the rally car course. It was like, Hmm, okay. Yeah. The, the running joke with our uh, look vendor who does all the scrim and signage is that they're still getting rid of the dirt and dust from Foz out of a bunch of the banners that are now uh, in the warehouse. From the Foz banners? Yeah. From all the, from the field where they had to clear all the, the dirt for the courses oh i can only imagine the murk that's living on those things yeah it would uh it wow. sounded like an interesting one that's for sure well going back to philadelphia uh i'm sure you saw some of this then because that was an interesting one because that was the philadelphia years were my second and third year with x games but that was that was a trying situation there because of we had oppressive heat that second year thunderstorms but then Good old Philadelphia is a union town, so we had all kinds of fun stuff going on behind the scenes with the union guys. Yeah, I I recall because at that time, you know, it was my first first summer event, and I was in charge of uh, hanging all the signage and, and directional items around the venue, and so I was working out of a a storage container, trying not to suffocate of humidity and heat in that you know box of loveliness, and the union boss riding around on his chair 
that was on a forklift on, on the front of a forklift on a pallet and just getting yelled at for carrying a sign across the venue or walking here, walking there, doing anything. And just the horror stories of, you know, cutting fiber at night and, you know, just basically sabotaging the event. And again, you know, I was so green. I didn't see a lot of that, but I know it gave uh, my bosses at the time uh, a lot of uh, undue angst. Yeah, there were definitely some stories I heard well, I've, <laughs> just dealing with different crews over the years with different events that I've worked on. Uh, those guys were out one morning, just basically the part guys were just doing screw check, making sure that nothing was sticking out before practice started for the BNX guys. And uh, the union guys saw that and thought they were working. So they came out and chopped up all their extension cords in a little bits and pieces. So they couldn't use the drills, just stuff like that. And one of the other crew guys, he had a, he had a golf cart full of tools and they lit his golf cart on fire. Oh yeah. That was the best radio call ever of, I need a fire extinguisher over to the park course or the street course. One of those, I forget. Cause I think David Pulford made the call and then all of a sudden it was a call for more. And then you just see this billow of black smoke and flames in a melted golf cart on the middle of the course. One of the stories from that spot that I didn't hear until recently within the last year and a half was how it just got so bad with button heads with the union guys that they, you know, some of the crew guys had gotten a warehouse down by the Navy shipyard there off site. And they were secretly cutting transitions and framing out pieces of the course just to get things moving because it had to get done in a certain time frame because they were running out of time before athletes started showing up and, as the story goes, these guys had gotten to this warehouse and they were cutting transitions and everything else. And one of the union guys found out about it and they rolled up with a van load full of guys. It was like, it was like a scene out of a movie. It was like these guys rolled up in a van with crowbars and were ready to get down and throw some blows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my current boss was in charge of the warehouse at the time for down there. And uh, yeah, I think I've heard that one and a few uh, others of the, you know, Mob bosses showing up and not not liking what we had going on. Mob bosses yeah. showing up. Yeah, the it uh, into that a little bit. This just turned good fellows on us. Did you hear that, Angela? Angelus? <laughs> I know. All I yeah. remember all I remember from Philly is um sleeping on the venue because I feel like we ran out of time and we were running around putting up signs like at two, three in the morning. And I feel like I slept somewhere in the first union center somewhere on some awkward piece of furniture I do remember that and I remember wakeboarding at the Schuylkill and how nobody wanted to go in that water because there was like tires and needles and god knows what else just hanging around on the shoreline and then I remember cleaning up street luge at like in the middle of the night just loading up wet hay bales for hours and hours and hours because like the road needed to be reopened and it was all hands on deck kind of thing like that and just being up all night doing every kind of random job possible in like the worst amount of heat I just remember like looking over at somebody and being like it's one in the morning how is it possible that it's this hot without the sun out (laughs) like I could not understand how that worked (laughs) so that, that was kind of my Philly memories all wrapped up into one what in your tenure of doing this, what's been some of your favorite venues that you've had the chance to work in? I would say just some of the most interesting spots. You know, when we did 
this was before the global, but we had, we were down in Rio on Copacabana beach. Uh, I, uh, for I me, I didn't go to that, but I remember that I did the voiceover for that. Yeah. That, that one was just insane. so cool. I mean, it was definitely a challenge as everything, you know, you didn't have forklifts out on the beach. Everything was hand carry and hand built. And it was just so iconic and so beautiful. It was definitely, you know, very dicey. I remember lots of people getting arrested right outside the gates and just never being able to go anywhere because of the safety factor. And so you couldn't go anywhere alone, but it was super cool in terms of just having those, those park contests right there, you know, the vert and just how big of a crowd and how the fans were just so into it and, you know, eating up the industry. And it was just, that was a really fun one as well as then Dubai, which for me, was pretty cool, but it was also a challenge just being a woman in Dubai in a leadership position, working with a crew of all local men. Uh, definitely was a little tough at times, but it was a great learning experience and just really fun to, I always like the international events just because it's such a small crew and you're able to really come together and then get immersed in the culture as you're kind of partnered side by side with a local that kind of you know, helps you along the way with, with the workforce that we have. Well, Jules is well-versed in that whole Dubai mindset and having to be a female in that department and having to deal with a bunch of locals, aren't you, Jules? Yes, I feel your pain, Vanessa. I feel your pain. <laughs> Jules has some awesome experiences in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. Yes, I'd rather not speak about Abu Dhabi because it gives me anxiety um, I wasn't even going to talk about that story. I was, I was more, more or less referencing just the headaches that you have to deal with, uh, being there as a whole. And uh, was it Abu Dhabi? I think it was when you got stopped by the mall security guard or whatever because of the the uh, the clothing violation because you were wearing a tank top. <laughs> yes, that was me. I got a fashion ticket. <laughs> walking from my hotel to the actual venue because our hotel was linked to um, a shopping mall. So instead of walking out in the thousand degree weather, I walked through the mall in my tank top and I got a ticket basically and told that I was not allowed to come back into the hotel until um, I covered up. So yeah, definitely difficult walking around there. You little rule breaker, you. Yeah, that place is definitely interesting. And I, yeah, I can imagine the challenges that you would go through being in a leadership position over there and just trying to make things work as a whole. I mean, Jules and I have seen that before, not just in Dubai, but other places when you're just you know, at Red Bull X Fighters, just trying to get things done when you're dealing with, uh, you know, language barriers and just a different a different culture and a different way of doing things. And not, and you know, when you go to these places, they don't always have the same sense of urgency that we do. And I, it's definitely, it's an anxiety moment. That's for damn sure. Yeah. And, and with us there, it, you know, all those things. And it was another instance where mother nature showed us what was up because I remember one day it's, it's pouring rain and Dubai, you know, it's not built it doesn't, it doesn't rain there. So there's like no gutters, no drainage and everything there is now flooding. Apparently X games and floods go hand in hand. Um, but it's flooding and we're, you know, everybody's cutting up trash bags because no one brought ponchos or rain gear because it doesn't rain in Dubai. And, and then you're set back time-wise and 
courses and whatnot. And then you have that sense of urgency because you understand all the things that have to be done in the timetable and just trying to express that and meet, um, meet those expectations. It definitely um, gets unique to where you're having to figure out how can you negotiate, prioritize, and get the essentials done knowing you're going to have to let other things slide. We, t- we kind of covered some of your favorite places. Uh, let's talk about some of the some of the war stories here. Talk about a situation, one of the situations where, well, I'll kind of preload this a little bit. I mean, you've spent 12 years doing this in L.A. How about the craziness that you would have to na- navigate going between two and sometimes three venues in certain years where we had Home Depot Center or whatever they call it now and the Coliseum and Staples Center. I mean, you know, you've got three different venues and a lot of different things and a lot of moving parts going on, but those places aren't necessarily close or easy to get to, especially in Los Angeles rush hour traffic. No, absolutely. And and luckily that was a time where we were able to staff wise kind of divide and conquer. And so I, I always was downtown um, in charge of Staples or LA Live or whatever the venue was at that time, um, where my counterparts, my boss at that time, they ran Home Depot Center. So they kind of left me on an island, if you will, at Staples. Um, but those that were going back and forth, it's like you had, you know, you wouldn't go anywhere without a carpool buddy because you would just be stuck on the, on the freeway. Um, and then figuring out, you know, the connectivity between all the different locations. Um, you know, we, we saw a lot at the now LA Live complex to where we used to run stuff in lot two and three to then, you know, setting up shop on Chickhern and having, you know, the construction of LA Live right there and elephants walking in front of us because the circus was always right before us. And so we had Loden coinciding with the animal walk and just it it literally it was like okay we're we are a circus at this point in time because here's the elephants here's x games you know we're trying to pre-build parts for all the the street courses or vert ramps or whatever you had at, at the venue at that moment in time and everybody else at home depot or when we were at the coliseum um you know it it definitely was segmented but it was such a great time because the the vibe in LA was just so great and conducive to everyone showing up and the industry being there and in full force. Yeah, it was definitely awesome to see all of that kind of unfold and develop over the years and, and towards the middle to the end of that where you had freestyle motocross best trick was inside the Staples Center and the energy when that event would go off on that night just with so much of the industry centered out there, just the fan base for it too. It was always just such a crazy vibe just getting into that building on that Friday night. It was just, it was amazing. And just the way that they changed it all up for me, it was a little bit of a nightmare because I had to bounce around between all three venues. So I'd have an event at Staples and then I'd have to run down to Carson, the Home Depot, and then I'd have to go over to the Coliseum. It was kind of funny though, because they'd stick me in a car with a volunteer from production and then they'd just freak out because we'd get on the 110 and they'd start losing it about traffic. And I'm like, okay, get in this lane, do this, get off here, take a left. And they're like, how the hell do you know where you're going? I'm like, I used to live out here. It's fine. Just do this, do that. <laughs> a couple of times I'm just like, you know what? Get in the back. I'm driving. Yeah. He's, take he's over. Like, Who is this guy? If memory serves, I want to say it was like 2006. And this kind of blew me away. And it was at Home Depot Center was where this started. 
uh, I remember it was the introduction of alcohol sales to the X Games. I walked out of my booth one day and I was like, is that a margarita machine? People drinking tall boys? What's going on here? They're selling beer? Yeah, we uh, originally, so Aspen, 0203, I don't remember if we did it in 04, we sold alcohol. And it was such a shit show um, that we stopped. And then, you know, we go to LA and Home Depot and, and it's like, okay, let's, let's find a way to bring it back. You know, it's every, it's, how are you not going to serve alcohol at an event? And so that was kind of the gateway. And since then, you know, now we've got Pacifico as one of our partners and, you know, beer gardens and, yeah. and things like that. So it's definitely evolved over the years. for sure. Absolutely. That's another thing that I find absolutely hilarious because as I'm, I realized, as you were answering my question there, uh, I have to say those like, well, we're on air. We have to say things like this replay brought to you by Pacifico. And every time I read one of those cards, it just cracks me up because that was just such a big no-no when I started doing this. And now Pacifico is a sponsor. And this last Minneapolis X Games, when I got done on Sunday with my last event, I wanted to go out to the Wendy's booth because I just wanted a frosty and the line was super long and I just blew it off because it was super hot outside. But then I look around and there's just, all these different alcohol samplings going on. And I was just laughing. I was like, this is hilarious. Like this wouldn't have flown a long time ago, but here we are. These people are sampling whiskey right now and giving away free sunglasses. I'm like, don't mind if I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's always when I'm sad when walking by the, the different beer gardens or they're doing different alcohol cocktail samplings. And, and I have to say no, <laughs> but it's definitely come full circle over the years. It's just funny watching people walk around on X Games now and they've got these giant plastic like yard drink things with the big straw like you see people walking around the Fremont experience in Vegas with. And I'm just, it, I, it, every event that I go to, I try to take a stroll around out there and just take it all in and just be part of that whole circus just to, just to see how it's evolved. Aspen's, it's a whole different animal there. I still try to do it, but it's, it's a lot more smaller and segmented. But summer, it's always hilarious especially out there at U.S. Bank Stadium because it's so spread out and there's so much going on. It's entertaining. Yeah, we definitely bring the circus to town with just how different and unique our event is to anything else and then the energy and, and excitement our fans bring and then you throw our sponsor activations in there with what they're doing and how they're engaging the fan. It's, it's a full experience. All right, so here's a little bit of a curveball, and let's bring this into current events. How do you see this moving forward after this whole little shelter-in-place pandemic thing that we're going through right now? I mean, obviously, events are just clipped left and right with mainstream sports being done for the most part. Obviously, once all this goes away and things start slowly coming back, how do you see that developing for, for X Games and other events as a whole in action sports? I definitely think it's it's unique because it's everybody's mindset in the whole world is going to be different now. And, you know, like the genie's out of the box, you can't undo that. Luckily for X, you know, we're middle of July. So we're currently, you know, moving forward with our planning and, and everything we've got going for Minneapolis and, and putting faith in the authorities and, and everybody out there that will keep evaluating and have a, have a way to handle this. But I know that in order for events to come back, whether it's a, a concert festival or stadium events, you know, the public has to feel safe about attending. And I actually read an interesting article this morning where they were quoting 
Bob Iger, I believe, about how, you know, when, when Disney reopens, you know, because I feel like a lot of the pulse of the country is, is based on that as an example. And they were talking about things that they're doing in China and monitoring temperatures. And just like you go to a football game and you've got to have your clear bag and go through security in a mag, is this just another level that people are going to have to come to expect when they go to large scale events? And, you know, you can, you can argue either way and invasion of privacy or, you know, is this too much or is this not enough? But I feel like as an event community, you know, we got hit one of, you know, extremely hard because most of the event staff around the world are gig employees. You know, they're self-employed. They, they work from job to job. They don't get the typical unemployment that a person would. And luckily they will in this new stimulus package to an extent but it's one of those that we need to find a solution as quickly as possible to get everybody back at work, but also to just help rebuild the morale in this country because it's so hard in such an ingrained part to be able to go to an event, whether it's, you know, a, a professional sporting event or a high school, you know, event or a, a little, a little league, for example, or a concert or, you know, something local or, what have you on any scale and to not be able to do that as a society is tough. And so I feel like we'll be able to kind of come together as a community once we get some guidelines and I'm hoping we get those sooner than later. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's definitely going to change the face I think of how not just the events that we work on, but just events as a whole, whether it's a concert, a mainstream sporting event, whatever, any sort of gathering, I think it's going to change kind of the, the face of that moving forward in the wake of all this. I agree with what you said that, you know, like nowadays you go to a sporting event and you've got to have the clear, the clear plastic bag when you go in, uh, you know, with the temperature monitoring, like what sort of things are they going to put into place? I I heard a story on our local sports talk station. This was last week, maybe a week and a half ago talking about there was a, there was a soccer match in Italy that they were saying this was the, the, patient zero moment where this thing got spread like wildfire throughout Italy because there were a person or persons in the crowd that had had this and didn't know it. And what had happened was you had a soccer club from Spain and then one from a part of Italy that was going to get together for this match. But the stadium in that city where the Italian team was from was too small. So they went somewhere else that was like an hour and a half commute on a train away. So all these people from Spain that were fans of the Spanish team and all these people from that town in Italy, and they all combined in this like, 45,000 person stadium and everybody just jumping up and down and hugging and high five. And every time a goal was scored and whatnot. So they were talking about how that was basically, they called it event zero was the story and how the spread of that was basically started from that event, from all those people being together in close proximity, not just at the game, but from their travel points and everything else. And why that was such a big issue in that part of Italy and ultimately what's happening in Spain now. So, it just it makes it makes me wonder what kind of things people are going to try to implement moving forward. I mean, if you follow sports right now, I mean, Major League Baseball is talking about starting up the season next month in uh, Arizona without any without any fans. They're literally going to test all these guys before they go in, and they're all going to be just basically put up with like what's 
for lack of a better term, like a college dorm, and they're all just going to hang out out there and play these games. And they'll probably do double headers to make up for the time that they've already lost. And literally the only people that are going to be in the stands are going to be in your bench players and aren't playing that day. And they have to sit 10 feet apart. And that's how the baseball season's going to start off for this year. Yeah, I was, I was reading about that. And it's interesting because I feel that that's, you know, that's going to have to be the play for a while until they start to lift you know, the CDC regulations of how many people can be together. But then also to that, the different counties and cities and agencies, wherever the event's going to be, whatever size, you know, small town, little, or, you know, MLB full packed stadium to issue the approval for the event, they're going to have to be comfortable with whatever's going on in their community and the medical, because the public safety response and the medical needs for an event have to be in place in case something happens at the event, whatever that may be, whether it's, you know, an injured athlete or the plans and preparedness for something as horrific as Las Vegas and what could something like that do on the medical if the hospital's inundated and overloaded with COVID still being rampant. And so just all those different dynamics as you plan your event and get your permits, like what are the cities and agencies going to issue permitting wise regardless of what the country as a whole has going on you know if everything's lifted there can still be smaller scale restrictions um, in different cities and counties and just you know going that mlb route of no fans and you know as a player that's got to be so weird to play in a stadium that's completely empty and silent but in order to play and get your games in like that's right now in my opinion, it, it, their best bet to at least start to get their season back on track. So what you're saying is that maybe we could do an X Games where it's just athletes standing 10 feet apart on the deck of the courses and whatnot, and we're all just doing the TV show from remote locations. <laughs> no fans. <laughs> all the judges are just well, online, and we're all weighing in from afar. Every, every news outlet I'm watching, everybody's set up in their basement doing their remote in. So apparently this is the new wave. You can, you can be in a basement, you got your setup there, and, and we just do split screens with everybody. Yeah, it's all of our local newscasters around here are all broadcasting from home as well. It's pretty funny. One of our uh, one of our weather guys keeps hanging out in his spare bedroom slash office, and every day when he does the traffic and weather, you see his son's drum kit over his shoulder. It's absolutely hilarious. I just want him to do the weather report and then turn around and like hit the symbols one time. You got to keep it fresh. Keep it, keep everybody into entertained. Well, I'm crossing my fingers. I'm hoping that we get to do Minneapolis uh, in July. I don't know. Everything else in my world uh, event wise is pretty much clipped for the year up through August. So the, uh, what was the name of that play? Chong Lee, the winter X games that was going to happen in February. Last night when we were in Aspen, I was told, all right, that that's getting moved to December. And I don't know if that one's coming back. I heard Shanghai is clipped for the year with no redo date. Was there any potential talk of Minneapolis getting pushed back if this thing continues? I mean, right now we're still moving ahead with with our dates in July and, and planning um, that we're that we're a go until further further notice. Well, that's promising news. Uh, anything yeah. else you want to throw into the mix? Story-wise, questions, predictions? 
I predict that the the industry is going to come back stronger and better than ever because you know event people are some of the hardest working people I've ever come across. You know, we the event industry does not give up and they do not quit and they do not take no for an answer. So I know it's it's definitely a hard season now for so many people, but I've got faith that everybody will keep banding together and we'll we'll get out of this on the other side. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's definitely as far as production side of things, it's it's a very resilient, very adaptable group of people. I just hope for some of the athletes that can hang on and ride this out because I know a lot of those guys and girls live, you know, event to event and just with sponsor money kind of helping pay the bills and whatnot. And especially in a year like this where everyone's just been so focused in skate and BMX on getting into the Olympics and being a part of that. And so now that whole thing gets pushed back another year. And, you know, what does that do to everyone's journey trying to get named to your respective country's Olympic teams and whatnot. It's going to, it's going to be interesting to see the stories of perseverance, if you will, that will come out of this, both on the production side, as well as the athlete side of things. That is one thing I think um, we're going to get some amazing stories and amazing testimonies of how the, how people have risen to the occasion through this whole trial. For sure. Well, Jules, Angela, you guys are muted over there. Anything? <laughs> no, I think, uh, no, Vanessa, you, you kind of said it best. I think, um, you know, event folks, I mean, first of all, like talk about the immunity we have with all the places, like the bathrooms we've used over the years and the things we've touched at events. Like, <laughs> God, good Lord. Like what, what, I mean, not, not much can really take us down. I feel like, so um, I feel like we're a pretty hard group of people. So, um, we'll definitely, when things do get back, I think, um, you know, we'll do what we do best, put our heads down and, and get to work. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting and I think it'll take time for us to get back to events to the way we've known events in the last, you know, 20 years, like we're not going to feel that level for quite a while. Um, but like the good thing is, is like, this is how I look at it is like, you know, you see those idiots that were spring breaking, even though they shouldn't have been out spring breaking. So to me, it's like, well, that means we'll always have customers. So like, even if we have an event and they say you shouldn't really go to events, I guarantee you will have people like those spring breakers still come out and like, do an event. So I'm like, uh, we'll have enough people to come out and support us no matter what. So I feel like we're in good shape for the long haul. Well, sweet. Jules? Oh, she's gone. Jules bounced. <laughs> cool. All right. Social good, good talk. Thanks, Vanessa, for everything. No, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. It's been an interesting journey down memory lane with all this lovely yes. stuff. You got, you got, you'll have to get Jeff on for one of these. You know what? I want to. I just We did a whole call the other day on Zoom with a bunch of people that used to work at ASA together, and he had just popped on because I guess you guys had just gotten out of a meeting, so he kind of gave me a little bit of hope. And then Vince from research was like, yeah, we're still moving forward as planned. I was like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. As of now, as of, you know, today, every day I'm like, okay, are we still good? Okay. Nitro just canceled their world games. And then they got another thing in October that they're going to try to still do due to, or supposedly is going to go for September now for their summer event. And I'm just like, ah, what else is going to happen? <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I've, right now I'm taking it one week at a time. 
Yeah. It's literally, I'm turning into Betty Crocker over here. All I do is bake. Dude, I need ideas for dinner, so send them this way. <laughs> uh, well, if you need a recipe for homemade biscuits and gravy, I got you covered there, and I'm about to make bread, so. Ooh. I can, My problem is altitude. Do you have a, a, a way to alter it for altitude? Uh, I mean, I don't in the recipe because I'm not that high up, obviously, but it, either, if you just Google, uh, there's there's uh, definitely a bunch of websites out there of like how you change your temperatures and cooking times in your oven to uh, compensate for higher or lower elevation. All right. I'll have to check those out. I can do some research on that with the biscuits too. Like you basically just set the oven at the right temp and then just keep an eye on it. All right. Perfect. It's one of those well, things uh, where it's kind of like it was not a recipe. It was literally me just winging it and it worked. That's how but, I get through life a lot of the time I feel. Yeah, that's how I do. That's how I've gotten through all of my events for the last 22 years. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Making it up as I go along. Yeah. Yeah. There's only one time that didn't work really well for me, and and we'll just forget about that one. <laughs> all right, oh no! Come on, you put it out there. Huh? <laughs> you put it out. You put it out there. Now you've got to finish it. No, that one was just when I. It was Winter X, and I was eight and a half months pregnant walking in a blizzard to go deal with an issue in the parking lot and my yak track caught the cable ramp that was buried in the foot of snow and I went flying forward on my stomach and got an ambulance right out of there uh, other than that I everything's always that. been fine yeah I do remember that that was that was scary crazy scary yeah yeah Jeff and Michael were not happy with me neither was Rob B <laughs> no you were you were not everybody's favorite person that day that's for sure. No, not at all. Not at all. But they all forgave me. They they brought me back. <laughs> yeah, of course. That show doesn't go on without without you up there. So. Yeah, have a good Easter weekend and hang in there. Hopefully, we'll all see right. you. We'll see you in Minneapolis. Yep. Definitely. Sure. X Games. All right. X Games July. Yeah. All right. Take care, Vanessa. Take care. <laughs>